0: Welcome to another edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer. I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law. I'm joined by Chris Williams, who is also from Above the Law. You know, I don't know why I even put that from in there. That's why this podcast exists. We're from Above the Law. And we're here to talk about some of the big stories from last week. The interesting thing is when Catherine isn't here, he interrupts himself. Yeah, we do. Um, we, we we got the opportunity to get through the introduction without being interrupted because Catherine cannot be with us today, but that's okay. Uh, we will soldier on, and we can do so first by sounding the favorite sound of all of our routine listeners, the beginning of small talk all right, what's up? Anything? <laughs> you sound uh very enthused, no, I mean, always enthusiastic for small talk. That's why there's a fanfare and everything
1: it's It's the best segment. I mean, you know, like I think that the legal information is to excuse people used to have the, have a parasocial relationship with us. you know. I think they they really care about the small talk and all the stuff about OnlyFans, what have you. It was just the
0: icing on the cake. Well, that is definitely what's coming up soon. I have been very much on the road. Uh, you've not uh, been seeing... If you've been wondering why I haven't been writing every day uh, as diligently as I usually have, I've had stuff, but not as much as usual. It's because it's been a nonstop whirlwind from ABA Tech Show to ALM's Legal Week to a, the National Debate Tournament, because as people who've long listened know, I coach a debate team, and now I'm about to turn around and go to a different debate tournament. So it's been, it's been a pretty wild ride uh, and not a lot of opportunity to be doing day-to-day writing. So how have things been on the ATL front?
1: Well, you know, I'm also doing my fair bit of traveling. Still getting my True. articles in. Um, right now, I'm in Thailand. Okay. I just got some. Uh, wait, I think I'm in Thailand. Yeah, I'm in Thailand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is it? Today is t- we're as we're recording. It's Tuesday. Last week, I was in Vietnam, so I've been moving around and doing some shopping. I'm good. I'm going to be the most fashionable podcaster in the states when I return. So, shouts out to everybody! Prepare yourselves. I'm sorry, Joe. That's just how it is
0: now. You could certainly try, but I'm already <laughs> wearing my Legal Talk Network T-shirt, so I win. Uh, great. Oh, damn it. Well, that's exciting. So, with all of that done, I figure we probably have reached. We have plumbed the depths depths of uh, small talk, right? I mean, I'm or not. I'm about empty. Great. Let's talk about something else. I think the biggest story of the week uh, around these parts was, of course, the story about Walt Disney World. Uh, And this story came up because it turns out that Ron DeSantis does not like Walt Disney World. Uh, They have the sin of being the state's biggest industry. Uh, So, of course, he's, he's opposed to them because they attempted to do things like say that children's education is a good thing uh, and because of that he and he, they also allowed uh, they also had a policy saying that the cruise ships that they were forcing people on during the pandemic to make money needed to have vaccines uh, and he didn't like that either so Ron DeSantis attempted to stick it to Disney by replacing the board of directors of something called Reedy Creek uh, which to get very, Very nerdy 1L property class for anybody out there that was a property class nut. This is a land use story par excellence, the area around Disney that is almost exclusively Disney property, and to the extent it's not, it's like owned by board members. But it's property that is not technically part of the park, but it's around there and it's often used for future expansions, but also for a living, for people who uh, are Disney employees, etc., building condos and such for that. This area has historically been administered by Disney, given that it's all basically park property. The state has long had a deal saying that the government of this area would not be a neighboring town, but would be something called Reedy Creek, which would be a constituent city, basically, run by the people, you know, and where they could be run by a board that was elected by the people who live there, which in this case was just Disney. So it was basically Disney's entirely 100% captured government over the land that they ran, municipal government, that is. Uh, Given that DeSantis wanted to do something to stick it to the company after its, you know. Stood up to some of his policies. He decided that he was going to have the state legislature, which is also Republican run, strip Reedy Creek of its status. And then because there was no way to democratically elect anybody there since Disney runs it, they would be run and administered by a hand-picked board of Desantis's people, including, you know, some, uh, a guy who has said that, uh, I believe that tap water causes people to be gay. You know, these are the kind of people that he put on this board with the purpose of having them say no to Disney's attempts to expand the park or build more buildings, whatever, just to make it difficult for Disney to do its business. So we all caught up on that so far? I've been taking diligent notes. Excellent. So if you've been taking diligent notes, here's where things get fun. Uh, The next thing that happens is this is not a move that happens immediately. It has to go through that, you know, has to be written up and then voted on and then he has to sign it and he has to pick new board members. There has to be an effective date. And during all of that time, Ron DeSantis would go on TV and crow about how he was sticking it to Disney and he's really better than Trump because he can get things done, etc. And during this period, and the title of the article that we wrote about it, uh, that Walt Disney's lawyers are better than Ron DeSantis's lawyers, during this whole period, Walt Disney's legal team sat down and said, well, we still run this area for another few months, so let's do things that are in the best interest of the you know the correct fiduciary interest would be to Disney as the the person who currently is the landowner so they entered a bunch of contracts and deals that gave all of the governing power that they had by virtue of the state over to Disney which is something that they could do because they could enter contracts to the extent that it would did not prejudice any of their constituents, which in this case was Disney, it was helping them, and so they did it. And this came to light when the DeSantis board took over a couple days ago and discovered that they had no more power other than mm. to make sure that the roads are maintained.
1: And this is why you don't fuck
0: with the mouse. You do not. And more importantly, you don't fuck with good lawyers uh, because this was an instance where they saw the situation and just went ahead and moved with it. And then currently... DeSantis is making noise about how he's going to civilly and criminally now go after Disney for entering these deals. But as a former Republican lawmaker who is currently a law professor, teaches law classes, I don't know if he currently does, but has taught law classes on land use policy, said to one of the newspapers writing this up, there's very little here for DeSantis to do. It was basically malpractice on his part not to have done anything about this at the time because due to a variety of sunshine laws that exist it wasn't done quietly and that that was been that was kind of my biggest problem a lot of the Coverage of this said, Oh, Disney quietly did all this, which was a lie because what Disney didn't quietly do, a damn thing. They, because of the Sunshine Laws, Disney and the Reedy Creek Board had to publicize every move they made so that it could get public notice and comment and all the usual processes that are in place to prevent governments from doing shadowy things. Uh, This was all out there to be seen, but the Florida government seemed to have more interest going on TV and talking about how anti-woke they were than in actually implementing an anti-woke policy. And for that reason, Disney uh controls all this now. I'm going to be frank here. I mean, you love to see it. Like if this yeah. if this isn't enough to make you a Disney adult, what else do you need? Right? I mean, come on. Uh, Well, so there's a little bit more to this, too, uh, because no conversation of land use law and property would be complete without a conversation of the rule against perpetuities. We should have a sound effect for the rule against perpetuities. (coughs) Anyway, so we get to talk about the rule against perpetuities. Uh, That is the for those of you who don't remember or maybe aren't lawyers, uh, and didn't go through the Proof process. That the, the devil exists. That's what yeah, it is didn't didn't go through the horrid process of the bar learning for the bar exam. It is a fairly archaic rule that a lot of jurisdictions have actually junked. But it's this position that basically prevents somebody from make tying up land forever. Uh, there's kind of a public interest in the idea that I shouldn't be able to buy a bunch of land now and make sure that, Hundreds of years from now, it can't be used. And so, this rule, overly simplified, says basically I can only tie it up for the length of the life of anybody who's alive as of today. Like, if I had like a brother or, you know, whatever, like for the length of their life plus 21 years. So, it could never be much longer than the hypothetical length of anybody's life plus 21 years. So that's kind of how this works. Uh, so the agreements that Disney put in were to the upper bound of the rule against perpetuities. So they said, hey, this lasts clear up until that point, which obviously would tie this up for, you know, probably a good hundred years or so, uh, To which should be long after Ron DeSantis is no longer a problem for them. That Which said, may or
1: may not be, for, be before Walt Disney's brain is
0: thawed. You're right. Disney's brain still being frozen, he may – and that actually would push the rule against perpetuities longer if he's legally alive. Anyway, yeah. that's neither here nor there. Let's make it there. Wouldn't that be fun if,
1: like, one of the weird implications of these the uh, legal debates about what constitutes a person or like a, le- or, like, a legal agent means that Walt Disney, when he comes back,
0: can just inherit all his shit? Yeah, I mean, remember there uh, the rule against perpetuities also includes a bunch of weird things like the fertile octogenarian and stuff was always a caveat that you have to assume mm-hmm. that somebody who's maybe 89 could have a baby, you know, like that the, for as a legal matter. So, I need I need at
1: least one property professor that's listening to this to make the cryogenic creator loophole to the rule against perpetuities. And when you put that on your exam, you have to tell us
0: so one of the one of the concerns uh, – yes, definitely do that. One of the concerns, of course, from the Disney lawyer's perspective is we pushed this out all this way. What if DeSantis is so crazy that he chooses to say, hey, we are going to get rid of the rule against perpetuities. We're going to, as a state matter, blow up thousands of land deals in our state just to get at Disney. So we blow it up and make it only – 20 years or something like that, and now Disney's kind of screwed. Now, they thought about this, and so they put a contingency for this, too, because, as again, (laughs) as I've said, again, Disney has very smart lawyers. And they put a contingency in and decided to tag the length of the deal to the reign of King Charles III, saying that the deal, if the rule against perpetuities is somehow taken out in the state of Florida, then the deal will last by consent of of both parties till... The death of any member of any any currently living member of descendant of King Charles the Third, which the youngest of which would be Princess Lilibet of Sussex, uh, Harry and Meghan's newest daughter, who I believe was born in twenty twenty one. So, you know, if if the Queen is any indication, Windsors live a long time, and that's. Got to be that. And let's be fair. Disney chose to tie their deal. You got to give them some props. They chose to tie this deal to a literal princess.
1: I have a question. What do you think
0: would be the pet? Like,
1: thematically, that makes sense. Respect, Mm -hmm. kudos. Who would have been the pettiest
0: life for them to tie this to? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I don't know. Like, Baron Trump? Yeah. No, tied to the, the currently living descendants of... Donald Trump, or something like that. Yeah. You know, Barron's a little bit older, so you wouldn't be, He, you know, you wouldn't get quite as much Which one is uh, the uh, runway one? as you do with uh, Lilibet. But yeah, I, thought, go I on. thought Barron was the young one. He is, but I think he's like 15 or 16 at this point, right?
1: Ah, gotcha, you, gotcha. You. Which older is
0: comparatively, I was like, yeah, oh, wait, much, you know, worse yeah. than being two years old. Uh, yeah. But anyway so yeah so that's uh, that's where we sit uh, I really have viewed it I went on the radio in Miami uh, a few days ago to talk about this particular case and you know I, I you got to really celebrate lawyers sometimes uh, it this was a problem that came up and Disney spent money on on smart lawyers to sit down and pour through a bunch of land use law and decide this is the most effective way for you to survive this. Barely authoritarian seizure of power. I mean, this is functionally like nationalizing an industry, is what uh, DeSantis is trying to do here, which should terrify people in a more broad sense. But whatever. And they sat down and worked out ways in which they could create ironclad legal protections for themselves. And you know, this is why, this is why, this is why law is fun, right there.
1: Yeah, I didn't have a nationalizing the, an industry to own the libs mm, on the yeah. calendar, but. Neither did Disney.
0: Yeah. Calidus AI cleverly supports you by suggesting relevant law to address your complex issues. Put in simple questions or longer fact patterns, then Calidus asks you to confirm if points are salient before proceeding. Use Calidus to check if you found all the key concepts, cases, and statutes. Calidus turns that into a high-quality, customer-ready document. Handle complexity confidently with Legal's most advanced AI platform. Get $90 off your first two months. Use promo code Joe at CalidusAI.com. That's C-A-L-L-I-D-U-S-A-I dot Hey, Gee, what's up? Just having some lunch, Conrad. Hey, Gee, do you see that billboard out there? Oh, you mean that guy out there in the gray suit? Yeah, the gray suit guy. There's uh, all those beautiful, rich, leather bound books in the background. That is exactly the one. That's JD McGuffin at Law. He'll fight for you. I bet you he has got so many years of experience like decades and decades. And I bet, gee, I bet he even went to a law school. Are you a lawyer? Do you suffer
1: from dull marketing and a lack of positioning in a crowded legal marketplace? Sit down with Guy and Conrad for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing on the Legal Talk Network. Available wherever podcasts are found.
0: Okay, so we're back. Let's talk about plaintiff's firms. Uh, We're still in the state of Florida as a concept, which is problematic. But there is also a new tort reform initiative that the Florida government has pushed, which is going to make it a lot harder for, you know, personal injury attorneys to achieve justice for their clients. And given this new rule, which was passed by the same folks who tried to pull this Disney thing, but also with the money behind it and the lobbying efforts behind it of insurance carriers who are constantly trying to find a way in which people who are injured don't get all the benefits of the insurance that exists. And in response to this, Morgan & Morgan, who you probably have seen billboards for and know well, uh, commercials talking about they're, they're just a large personal injury firm. The firm sent around a memo to attorneys saying, you know what, this is it. This is the last straw. We are no longer going to offer any assistance to carriers or counsel for carriers. We're, no more delays that they ask for. No more mutually agreed upon scheduling. We're we're gonna go hardcore because this is where we are now. What do we think or don't think?
1: I'll be honest. I uh, there there are some stories that are like that are really riveting. This is one of the ones where like I feel like there's it's something happening there, but I'm like it's it's not clicking, so for the viewers like us at home, why do we give a
0: damn about this? Is it just like is it like a break of decorum thing right, so the only good argument I've heard anybody say is that if this is an inappropriate move because there are certain bar associations in uh, not bar associations bar you know, state bars that impose a duty to be civil to the other side. And, you know, if they ask for accommodations, you have a duty to, within reasonability, honor those. And sure, uh, to the extent that's true, I guess. But it struck me as though what, what this letter actually says, from my perspective, is we will do everything that the rules require. Uh, to the extent the rules say, you know, file your answer in 30 days— We are no longer going to get a call from the insurance carrier saying, can we have 45 instead? We're going to say, no, you have to do it in 30. And it's not a lack of civility. It's a work to rule, basically. If the rule says 30, you get 30. If you have a problem with that, you need to go to the court and ask for that to be fixed. Now, this is going to irritate some courts because it is true that even though these are the rules – Given that a lot of people want extensions, what's going to end up happening is the carriers are going to try to make this seem like Morgan & Morgan's fault. They're going to flood the courts with a lot of requests for a lot of extensions. And the court's going to say, why is it I have to waste my afternoon resolving this when you should have just given them an extra 15 days? And I understand that. And that's going to be a problem for Morgan & Morgan because they're going to be blamed for what's essentially not their fault. But as a sentiment, I don't know, I I was on board with this. I feel as though... When I was being civil to the other side, in my cases, it was, you know, our clients had a dispute, but there was nothing really happening between us. Uh, This is an instance where the insurance carriers spent millions and millions of dollars, both in Florida and around the country, doing what they could to make sure that Morgan & Morgan's livelihood is taken away. At the point that you're doing that, I don't know, as though it's actually reasonable for you to assume that Morgan and Morgan's going to play nice. I think they that we have rules for a reason, and they may be less. Uh, it, it may hurt the the courts a little bit that they have to do this, but you know, I think the proper analysis should be that the courts should say, "I don't grant extensions that you don't agree to either." So, unless you've got really compelling cause, like if you're going to a funeral that day and you need two extra days, fine. But otherwise, if I'm a judge, I'm kind of I don't know as though I'm even scheduling a hearing. I'm going to get that letter and just say, work to rule unless you have something really compelling why you need to give, give a break. Otherwise, I'm going to blame you for coming to me with an extension because you could have, couldn't do it in the rules.
1: So if I'm, if I'm hearing you correctly, this sounds like undermining uh, cultural expectations by following the rules. Um, how yeah. do you think this will? How do you think this will play out with regard to, like, say, quiet quitting discourse?
0: Oh, you know, it's interesting. I didn't really have any a, any connection between the two, but yeah, in in a certain way, Mor- Morgan and Morgan is quiet quitting on the voluntary accommodation game that normal that kind of cult is considered a cultural norm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, they're just going to work to rule, which I'm using kind of like the more. Pre-quiet quitting, that was kind of the organized labor term for it, where you don't do anything but the very, very letter of what you're required to do. Gotcha. I don't know. Uh, it, it's been very interesting. We got tons of tips about it. A lot of people saying, you know, it seemed a lot of folks just sent it to us with very little commentary, but it seemed like the overwhelming weight of folks sending it were against this move, thinking that this was bad form. But I, I, I just looked at it as... Look, I mean, it's not ideal, but, you know, you made me do it. And I yeah. think that they're not the ones going to the state governments and saying, hey, pass a law that makes insurance companies, you know, automatically at fault or move the burden of proof that the, uh, that the insurance company is always wrong or anything like that. And the carriers are doing that all the time. So, And I shouldn't say that conclusively. I'm sure there are some jurisdictions where, tort lawyers do have that sort of clout both formally and informally, but not nearly to the extent.
1: Yeah, I think that uh when you're when you're in a conflict like that, there are there are just some things that that you do because that's the proper move. And um I don't think you can really be mad at Morgan. Uh I'm just oh, Morgan and Morgan. I'm just curious to see if and how this will affect their uh their clients. But other than that as an advertising move. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It it just reminds me, there was this um, story I had, um, there was a guy I used to work with, and he was playing a fighting game with one of his, uh, what is like his younger brother, and he just kept doing hard punch. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: his brother was like, why aren't you doing a different move? You could do a combo, you could throw me, what have you. And he's like, well, I keep doing hard punch and you don't block it, so I'm just keep doing hard Mm punch. So he just kept doing hard punch he kept winning, right? like even if his brother got annoyed the move in that instance was to do hard punch right so like if you if you're just trying to if you're trying to maintain your living and people are giving you a hard time you don't get niceness you know i'm going to do exactly what i need to do and if you know it's not good for your schedule then that's your problem you take this hard punch and you move on it seems like i'm working as hard punching
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, but as an advertising move, I do think this is interesting. The the level of notoriety this gets has actually had a value of if you're injured and you're considering who to hire, you know, all of these personal injury firms talk about we're fighting for you, right? Like that's their, it's very combative, kind of the imagery that tends to Mm -hmm. work in that space. Uh, This is a a fairly public move that uh, signals they're very combative, right? So, it seems yeah. like a win-win. It seems for like that. the right one.
1: And if you don't mm-hmm. like it, well, that's they did the right thing. Like,
0: yeah. You know. All right. So, OnlyFans, which is uh not where you can see this show. Uh this is just a podcast. Yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Now. Uh, we we do not have an OnlyFans account yet or potentially ever. With that said, uh, <laughs> Only I don't know. I've been working
1: on my squats, man. I I think I got potential.
0: Okay. Well, you keep working on that. Uh, I know I'm uh, I'm better with my fashion sense, which is why I have my Legal Talk Network t-shirt. Uh, mm-hmm. All right. So let's break this out. There were a couple of OnlyFans stories this week, actually. So one is in New York, uh, I believe, They a judge, or more technically, a administrative administrative law judge is technically not a judge and depending on how you do it whatever he has been in new york city has been terminated because it has come out that he in fact had an OnlyFans page he's white collar professional by day very unprofessional by night as his bio put it
1: <laughs> yo
0: it's just funny man <laughs> uh yeah yo, so my
1: thing is like people be fucking like why do you get fired for that? <laughs> like, you can't well, you can't you can't show a little you know you can't show a little ball or two after you know you bang the gavel like
0: well so what's the so let's break it down this way so what is the risk here and why would you fire somebody so it's obviously not necessarily a professional move so there's a argument that the a judge has to be kind of a above the mere impact appearance of, you know, a lack of professionalism. Uh, That said, is he identifying himself as such? Uh, Would there be a connection between him and this, but for uh, this kind of coming out? Uh, Who knows? Uh, There's the potential for extortion, obviously. I'm not altogether sure this particular judge cared. Uh, Seems like he probably didn't. But theoretically, if he's hiding his identity and doing this, uh, people could extort him uh, saying, we'll reveal this. But for you ruling our way, that would be bad. So there's uh, there's arguments why you shouldn't be able to do this while also being a judge. I don't know. That said, I don't know if there are good ones. Like, I mean, extortion seems like a good one.
1: Yeah, but like you can extort somebody for anything nowadays. Like I was watching this, uh, <laughs> this this is uh, a little nerdy, but I feel like the people watching this are probably nerds. There's a show called uh, Spy Family, and mm-hmm. this, this is a hypothetical scenario, but there was this uh, guy who used to be the uh, like a high president, and there was like this secret vault, and it was like, we can't let the information in this vault get out, or else it could start a war. Turns out, it was just photos from plays he was intending to. Like, all you need to extort somebody is embarrassing information. People get embarrassed about goofy shit. Like, we yeah. could probably, I could probably extort you over your your search history right now. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know why OnlyFans is the unique instance of a thing that a person can be exploited with.
0: Yeah. And my, my search history does look pretty terrible because <laughs> I've had to look up a bunch of stuff about OnlyFans in order <laughs> to cover this story. Uh, which hey, you that's, know. That's the absolute worst with this job is when something bad happens, you sit there and you're like, "Ah, R.I.P. my search algorithm for a month or two, Uh, because you've got to look up the worst possible stuff. Yeah.
1: You know what, Joe? Thank you for your sacrifice. If not for you having, you know, genitals in your search history, you wouldn't be well informed enough to speak on this podcast today. So, you know, hats off to you.
0: Well, consider also consider the algorithm. I had to in a week research on, what a bunch of stuff about how OnlyFans works and Disney. That's like some really weird furry sorts of stuff. End up, yeah, your you're on a list, bro. That. You are yeah, on that, a list. That is, that is just a bad, bad week. All right, yeah, so w- moving on. Uh, so the judge is in trouble. Uh, it also seems like this story is a little unfortunate because it seems like a lot of the problems for this judge really started when he made a what I would consider a very fair free speech uh, moment where he criticized a government official, and that criticism of government official is what led to all this coming out. That is unfortunate and seems to be kind of chilling of free speech and bad and whatever. Anyway, (laughs) that to one side. Let's move on to a different situation. A young lawyer, uh, she has decided she's bailing on her her job she was only making 75,000 a year at the firm she was working at and has realized that uh you know she made 180 grand on OnlyFans in a quarter so uh she's off she's uh she's just going to do this now listen is
1: she hiring
0: <laughs> that's I know, right.
1: listen these student loans got to get paid somehow okay
0: i'm not mad and i respect it i respect it you know? Yeah, I feel like it's interesting because w- the concern obviously is that this is probably not a long-term career that you can uh, do for years and years. On the other hand, if you're making 180 grand a quarter, uh, you're going to be out of debt, and you're going to be able to bank a decent amount of money. And who knows? Then you can you can get some contract work as an attorney on the back end that isn't going to be you know it's not going to pay. Pay, it's not going to be high enough to pay off loans but you've already got those paid off and a nest egg uh, who really cares if you're working as a contract attorney you know
1: you know how yeah. many people say like oh i'm going to go to like they're like oh i graduated from undergrad have a humanities degree or two i don't know what i'm going to do i'm going to go to law school once i pay off the debt and get enough money i'm going to like not do law you don't mm-hmm. have to do law ever again yeah. ever again the J.D. can be on the wall as decoration. She can open up a a, a commune for, like, Well, that's, always been, the, well,
0: that's like, always been the complaint with the J.D. advantage argument, which is the law schools try to artificially inflate their employment numbers. Well, they did at least before they all withdrew from participating in U.S. news and all. But they would mm-hmm. artificially inflate it by saying, oh, well, you – you don't have to you don't just count the people that graduate and become lawyers there's certain jobs that are JD advantage jobs that you can only get with a JD so those should count in our employment numbers and to some extent that makes some sense right like you like obviously the easiest one is a clerk but you know there there are gigs in this world up to and including writing for above the law like right like where having a law degree is necessary to get that job and that it do, should count to some degree uh, but you know, these companies were really stretching it. They were calling people who had all sorts of, minister, you know, mid-level jobs at random places. They were calling that, well, they probably got that job because they had a JD, and uh, that was really abusing the system. Mm. That said, I wanted to uh, foreground that to say that this is one of those JD Advantage careers to uh, end up in. OnlyFans, I'm sure, is how they're going to try to play it.
1: I would say... What better example of JD advantage is there than a former contract lawyer who's midnighting as a dom? Like they're going to make such strict contracts?
0: <laughs> mm, oh, well, that's, that's, that's how you do. You're go that's, that's, that's what you're, you're going go to. That's the joke you're going to try and make that into. All right, <laughs> uh, fair. Okay, so <laughs> that's the, it, the, on on the back of that one. We'll. Uh, We'll, we'll call it quits here. Uh, thanks to everybody for listening. You should subscribe to the show so you get new episodes when they come out. You should be listening to the Jabot, which Catherine hosts for the Legal Tech Journalist Roundtable, which I'm usually a guest on. Haven't been for a bit here because of all this travel, but usually uh, you should be reading above the law so you get all of these oh well you should also listen to the other shows on the legal talk network and you should give reviews and write things about all of them you should be reading above the law so you read these and other stories as they come out you should follow us on social media we still have blue check marks because apparently that whole thing was just an elaborate way to get mad at the new york times apparently uh so you can check out the publication is at ATL blog. I'm at Joseph Patrice. He's at rights for rent. And that's rights as in, you know, writing, not not legal rights. So like it's a W rights for Rent. Nobody anyway, point is those. follow those things. Uh, and with all of that, I think we're done for another week. And uh, yeah, we'll check back in later. See you on
1: OnlyFans.